Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You thought you were just going to have a fun day dropping acid at the happiest place on earth. Instead, you come face to face with a face. And then we take a boat ride across Seneca Lake in New York. It was supposed to be a fun, relaxing evening aboard a steamship. But everything changed when the sea monster showed up. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having lots of fun just hanging out, throwing a beach ball around. I'm assuming you're outside. Don't do that if you're in a moving vehicle. Let's go ahead and give a shout out to one of our legacy Patreon supporters coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now. It's Diamond. Everyone give a round of applause to Diamond. Doing a little bow. Diamond, you're going to be our captain, our pilot of this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really appreciate it. Really helps out a lot when you talk about the show to your friends, your family, to your online compatriots. Diamond, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the... Jason Jalopy, we are going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are going to drive all the way down to the happiest place on Earth, Disneyland. And while you're driving us down there, Diamond, I'm going to pull out my phone. I'm going to show you guys something on the internet. Diamond's like, let me see. No, that's not safe. There's a website I found the other day I think you guys might want to check out. It's the... Remember that Fortean map we've used so much on this show? It's basically like a Google map where someone has put in push pins for all these weird and bizarre stories. Someone made another one of those, but it's strictly missing people. And it's really creepy when you see how much of this map is covered. It's mostly in the United States, but it looks like every square inch of the United States has had a missing person. And they actually have it divided up. I'll put the link in the show notes, but they just have it set up between like... Uh, men and women, missing men, missing women, it's color-coded, and then John Doe's and Jane Doe's. So it's not like you can just see all these people who went missing and haven't been found. You see all the people who've been missing, and we don't even know who they are. It's really cool. I clicked around on there a bit. It's spooky. It's a lot different when you're reading about ghosts and goblins and ghouls and werewolves and stuff like that, when you're looking at a photo of someone who the werewolf may exist, may not, you know, the ghost, the ghoul, whatever. It's a cool, spooky story, but when you're looking at photos of people and they're like, yeah, we don't know what happened to this dude. And you, they're, they're everywhere. So check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. If you, if you want to go to it right before you go to bed, be my guest. If you find something particularly interesting or chilling or creepy, go ahead and send it over to me and maybe we'll cover it. And if you happen to be missing yourself, right now you're in the woods and you just have your cell phone and you have enough reception to hear this podcast, you're like, there I am. I'm not missing after all. But you are. <laughs> we we don't know where you're at. You just now know that you're on this map. Diamond, let's go ahead and pull up here to Disneyland. We're walking around the happiest place on earth. And that's when I was like, bro, dude, did you bring it? 
And you're like, what? I didn't know we were going to Disneyland until like six minutes ago. What are you talking about? What did I bring? I'm like, dude, dude, did you bring it? And you're like, I don't know. And then I'm like, dude, come here. And then like we're walking around the park and like Goofy's walking by and Alice is walking by and all these characters. And I open up this little pouch and I go, dude, this is acid. And there's like little pieces of paper in there. And I go, and I start eating them. I've never, I've never done acid. My friends who have done acid, I don't think I've ever even been in the same room as acid. I'm pretty sure that's true. I'm not a fan of hallucinogens. My, my grasp on reality is so shaky to begin with. So I just, I, I've seen them though on like Vice documentaries. They're little pieces of paper, and they usually have like little drawings on them, little, little stick figures. And if you flip them really quick, it makes an animation. You're getting super high. You're all. Uh. Anyways, I remember when I was a kid, we were told this. The kids from the '80s will remember this, and don't put on temporary tattoos because some of them may have acid in them. I remember being told that, like Cracker Jack tattoos, fine. But I remember being told if someone ever comes up to you with a temporary tattoo, it might be drugs i was like what what is how does that even work so then my parents are like okay so <laughs> explain to me what acid was because a kid thinks oh no i'm gonna melt they're like no dude it's, it'll make cartoons way better and even the suckiest of movies are brilliant and i go dude we gotta trip out on acid it's the happiest place on earth let's make it the trippiest place on earth and as we're tripping out, we're, like, getting ready to go on Pirates of the Caribbean. We're like, dude, this is going to be so dope. I'm totally going to get the keys from that dog and free those prisoners at last. They've been trapped for 50 years. As we're going into Pirates of the Caribbean, let's take a look at another man. Someone who will not be as fortunate as us. I'm getting this story from someone on the internet known as Epicurus23. So thank you, Epi, for posting this. And this is a story that did not happen to him. It is a story that happened to a friend of a friend. But isn't that how the best urban legends always start? In 1990s, Disneyland. A friend of a friend, let's call him Joey, has the same idea we did. He walks into Disneyland. This guy, he takes a piece of acid and he's like, nom nom nom. And he's like, mmm, I can taste the Disney. And he's walking around Disneyland. And he's not like us. It's like, you can't tell that we're hella tripping out on Space Mountain. He is obvious. He's like, oh, dude, Goofy. <laughs> Goofy, I've always wanted to meet you, dude. Take my photo. And he's actually talking to, like, that frog from Wind in the Willows. That's when I'm like, dude, this guy has to be on something. So anyways, so the authorities, like, Disneyland has park security. They see this guy. They can tell he's tripping out. He's walking around. He's like, dude, I pulled the sword out of the stone. Isn't this awesome? They're like, sir, that's just a salad fork, and it's stuck in the head of a toddler. You're going to have to come with us. Please come with us. And they take Joey into a room. Here is the urban legend. Apparently, at Disneyland, if you get caught tripping on acid, and oddly enough, only acid, you get taken to this room. It is a room with four walls, like most rooms are. Three of those walls are just a really bright white. And there's a chair in the middle of the room, and it's facing the fourth wall. And security takes you in, and they sit you in the chair, and they said, we'll be back later. And the door locks behind you. That fourth wall is a giant drawing of Mickey Mouse's head. And you're sitting in the chair, and you're just staring at this oversized Mickey Mouse, and he has a frown on his face. You're like, Jason, wait, is that it? Wait, is that it? 
Like, that's it. It's like they take them to a room and they, they're like, you love acid? We're going to give you all the acid in the world. And they totally like pump you full of acid and then make you watch Song of the South. No, like that's it. So it's nothing like super spooky, but I love this urban legend because it could be true. Let's dissect this really, really quickly. One, just on its literal reading. If you're tripping off acid, which I've never done, but I've seen movies where people trip off acid, uh, freaking out. Imagine if you're tripping off that drug. Really any drug. I think being drunk, you might be able to be fine, but like smoking weed would totally trip you out. And you're sitting in a room in Mickey Mouse's house, Disneyland, and there he is on the wall just staring at you with a frown on his face. He's like so disappointed in you. Remember I entertained you with all those cartoons growing up? You're like, dude, you made the worst cartoons ever. They're super boring. He goes, it doesn't matter. I still made those cartoons and you still watched them. And I'm ashamed of you, Joey. Like you were turning out to be such a bright young boy. And here you are, you come into my house, my land, and you're dropping acid, bro. And so you have to sit there and I'm going to frown at you. So right there, that would be super discouraging. Like for me, what if I got busted like selling weed and they took me in a room and Optimus Prime was just going, mm-mm-mm, nope, mm-mm-mm. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, Optimus Prime, you're, you're real? He's like, I'm not real to drug users. So mm-mm-mm, and he did that for hours. Like it would break my heart. I'd be like, no, Optimus, no. So that uh, on its own is creepy. Maybe not creepy is the right word, but that on its own would be torment. Because this lasts for hours. This guy was stuck in this room for a long time. This lasts for hours. And you'd be kind of shifting in your seat and you're trying to look away from the Mickey Mouse face. But even if you were able to look away from it, you know that that giant Mickey Mouse head is still just staring at you. With those big soulless eyes digging into the back of your brain. So that's just a very interesting urban legend. But on the other hand, I think it might be true. I think this is probably what happened. Is that the dude... Because a lot of these urban legends do have a seed of truth. I bet you anything this guy was tripping on acid at Disneyland. I'm sure people do that. I'm sure a lot of people do that. He's tripping on acid. The security grabs him. And they take him into a holding area. And they're like calling the cops. And they're like, yeah, can you come down and pick this guy up? Like he's obviously on drugs. He's sticking kids with the fork in their head. What are we going to do? And he's in there for maybe, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour before the Anaheim police show up. And while he's sitting in the chair in this busy office and people are kind of walking around behind him, there's like just a picture on the wall of Mickey Mouse. And he's just staring at it. And this moment becomes hours long in a silent room where he's all alone. And this massive Mickey Mouse face is staring at him. I think it happened, but it doesn't happen like he remembered it. It became such torment in his mind, it turned it into almost like a a hellish punishment. Imagine having to stare at a frowning Mickey Mouse face for 10 minutes, let alone several hours. But he didn't. He probably stared at it for probably 20, 30 minutes. And they're like, bro, dude, come on, snap out of it, snap out of it. The cops are on their way. You know you're not getting your money back. They're going to take you downtown. And we probably won't press charges because we don't want it on the police record that we got a bunch of drug users here. But you're gone. You're out. And he probably imagined himself in this empty void, save for a massive Mickey Mouse head for hours and hours and hours. I think it's an urban legend with the seed of truth. I think this dude was just tripping so hard he created this reality. But if he didn't, 
if this is something Disneyland is actually doing, it's the perfect punishment to someone who comes in and is on heavy hallucinogens at your park because that's not fun for anyone else like sure it's fun to watch some guy totally tripping out on drugs but where do you draw the line like sure the guy on acid might be walking around the tiki room trying to like hunt the birds but then you got the people going there they're doing synthetic weed and they're like collapsing within the gears of the roller coasters or you have the people on meth and they're like trying to beat up the bears as they're singing their jaunty tune you have to draw a line somewhere so if this actually is a punishment it's a good one disneyland diamond i'm gonna go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter we are leaving behind disneyland <laughs> we're leaving behind disneyland we took all that guy's acid we're gonna be dropping it the whole way to new york fly us on out to seneca lake in New York. This story was recommended to me by Mr. Argon. So Mr. Argon, thank you so much for sending me this way. It's July 14th, 1899. Or 1900. We don't know the year. And first off, that is super suspicious. When the, 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 event, I'm, the event I'm about to tell you is earth shattering. Or lake shattering, at least. And we should at least know the year. It's was printed in old newspapers. We do have this. There's a lot of people who've covered this story. But the fact that we don't even know the year makes me a little suspicious. But July 4th, the date's always the same. July 14th, 1899 or 1900. And we'll say 1900 on this one. 7 p.m. And in New York State, there are the Finger Lakes, these long lakes. And Seneca Lake is the largest of the fingers. The middle finger, you may say. And this night, July 14th, there is a boat traveling across Seneca Lake. It's the Otiani, and it's a side-wheeler steamship. So that's like the one with like the big paddles going splish, 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 splish. splish. And then there's like the, the thing on the top. <laughs> like, Jason, this is real theater of the mind. You know, like the big steam stack, and they probably have a horn. And the boat's just going. And there's a bunch of people on it. And this has, like, it's not a bunch of, like, hobos and not a bunch of fishermen. It's, like, city council people. Like, on this particular voyage, there's, like, a lot of hootin' tootin' people. And one of them is a geologist. He comes into the story later. <laughs> Imagine a super boring cruise. I'd rather be on a cruise with a bunch of hobos and fishermen than these dorks. City council members and people who own banks and a geologist. A bunch of nerds. And anyway, so the Otiani... He's going down Seneca Lake, and Captain Carlton Herondine is standing there. He's, like, behind the big wooden wheel, and he's like, what a beautiful night to be a captain. I got all these dorks on my boat. They paid a lot of money, and everything's just going great. And then he hears a ruckus. Hey, hey look, what's that? Hey, dude, what's that in the water, huh? What? Sure, and he sees, like, kind of people jostling to see what's off the boat. And he pulls out his little telescope, and he's like, doo, 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 doo. and he's looking, and he sees there's an overturned boat in the water. And he's like, dudes, turn the boat. So they're like, Captain, you're right in front of the steering wheel, you lazy bum. But they turn the boat, and the boat is then coming towards this overturned vessel. The Otiani is approaching this lump in the water. And they're about 100 yards away from it. And he's like, there's the boat. Keep going that way. And they're pushing. They're like, this is the worst captain ever. And then the lump starts moving. And the captain goes full. He's been waiting his entire career to say this. Full steam ahead. Boop, boop. And back then, that was literal. They actually were like, oh, great. They're throwing in more and more coal. Steam shooting out. 
and the boat is chasing this lump. The Otiani is coming towards it, and that's when they see it. It's not a boat. It's not a lump. It's not some sort of weird mass floating through the water. What they've been pursuing is a sea monster. 25 feet long. And this creature raises its giant neck out of the water, showing off its monstrous head. Its head was in the shape of a triangle. It's like a four feet long triangle. And when its mouth opened up, it had two rows of white, sharp teeth. The geologist who was on board, Professor George R. Elwood, gave this description of this creature. He said it looked like it had the carapace of a terrapin, which if, if I'm, I don't speak nerd, but I'm pretty sure that is a shell of a turtle. It's like it had like armor, had armor on it. And then he said it was like a brown brownish with a greenish tinge and then underneath its little neck because when it raised its neck out of the water oh it was white it had like a white belly this was interesting he said its eyes were round like those of a fish and it did not wink i i don't know i just thought it was an odd detail and not something that i would notice on a 25 foot sea monster with a triangle head but he did the captain sees a sea monster in his first inclination a man cut after my own jib I like this guy. He sees a sea monster and he gives the order. Ram it. So the boat begins to pursue this creature. It's just in the water right now, just floating. His goal is to kill it with his boat as the weapon. The boat's getting closer. Everyone on board is like, oh no, I have bank dividends to count later. Boat's coming towards the monster and the monster's sitting there. Boat's getting closer. Monster's sitting there. The boat is so close. The monster goes underwater. The boat goes past the monster. That story was... <laughs> no, I'm just joking. That's not the end of the story. <laughs> that would be the worst. Okay, so anyway, that's not the end of the story. The boat goes past it, and the captain's like, Dagnabbit, are you kidding me? I want to kill that thing. If someone ever wants to tell this story on a podcast, this better have a better ending than that. The Otiani turns around, and the sea monster is now resurfaced into this... This boat captain is out for blood. He smashes his boat into this creature. It hits the monster so hard that all the passengers on the boat are knocked off their feet. Because the boat just comes to an almost sudden stop. And then our excited geologist gives this description of what happens. Quote, It raised its head, gave what sounded like a gasp, and lay quiet. Its spinal column had been broken, and it was dead. Unquote. So Captain Herondine is looking down at this thing. He's always heard the tales of the sea monsters. All of his men had heard tales of sea monsters growing up. But the problem was, there was never any proof of these. And he's looking at this dead creature with a busted spinal column laying in the water. And he goes, let's haul it on board. Let's haul on board this 25-foot-long sea monster. Because otherwise, no one will ever believe us. So they start dropping off life rafts, and people are wrapping ropes around it. And they're like holding it there with hooks for a bit as they're getting all the ropes adjusted. And then they're like, "Okay, let's hoist it up." Now remember, this is a this is a crew of like a steamboat that goes on tours across Seneca Lake, and a bunch of highfalutin people from the nearby town. But all of a sudden, they've been put into hard labor. They're grabbing the ropes, heave, ho! Oh, they're hoisting this monster up onto the boat. The problem is, 
Professor George R. Elwood, who's been giving us this running description this whole time, he said how big it was, he said what it looked like. He also estimated it weighed at least 1,000 pounds. So no matter how many men you had on the ship, unless one of them was Hercules, they weren't getting this thing on board. And they're hoisting it up, they're hoisting it up, and eventually the tail slips out of one of the ropes. The other ropes are quickly pulled from the hands of the men on board. The creature splashes back down into the water. I'm sure they probably only had it like a foot or two up. But it then sinks into the depths of Seneca Lake, never to be seen again. Or was it? Was it seen again? This is an interesting story. It was originally published in the Rochester Herald in July 1900. So the Rochester Herald ran the story in July of 1900. That's why I think it happened in the 1900. But you will see... I could not find the original Rochester Herald article, but I did find articles about the article and articles about the Seneca Sea Serpent and all that stuff. And they are mixed on whether the story took place in 1899 or 1900. I could not read the original article, so I could not tell you if it said like a year previous or whatever. But there, the legends go back way before this story. There was the Seneca tribe in the area, and they believed that Seneca Lake was bottomless and it was a home to a great monster. In more modern times, you had Cayuga Lake, which is nearby. It's also one of the Finger Lakes. That one has a lake monster that's seen almost every year. It has a nickname. It's called Old Greeny. And it's seen like once a year, if not more times a year. Very, very active. But the Seneca Lake monster, we have the native legends. We have this more recent story in the 1900s. And then every so often you'll hear a story about it. But it's not nearly as popular as Old Greeny in nearby Cayuga Lake. And both of these lake monsters, they've had their number of hoaxes over the years. So it's always hard to tell which stories are real, which stories are fake, which stories are real, but they saw something fake. It's always a gamble with that. But but let's go ahead and put on our conspiracy caps here and wrap the episode up like this. I, I, I say that I don't like sea monsters, but it's not that I don't like sea monsters. I don't like sea monster stories because they're so boring. Most of the time, it's just a lump in the water that's unidentified. It's the same thing. Oh, there was a light in the sky. Sure, that's a UFO story, but it's boring. So I don't have anything against the existence of lake monsters. I think lake monsters could exist. But I don't want to keep telling stories about a lump in the water. And I don't even like reading those stories. I like reading stories like this. So I don't want it to be when I say I don't like sea monsters that I poo-poo their existence. I do believe they could exist. I just find the stories boring. But this story has a unique twist to it. Again, this story isn't a blurry photo this story isn't some people seeing something through the mist or anything like that. This story, if it's true, if the newspaper article wasn't making it up, involved some of the most successful people in the area on this boat. And this boat smashing into this thing. It's not that they just saw it and they, oh yeah, I saw a lump in the water. No, I mean, the lump in the water was because they killed it when they smashed it with this boat. So we have that. We have this different thing. Now, obviously, like, were there insurance paperwork filed? That stuff should all be available. I mean, 1900 is kind of far back. But you could probably really dig into this to see because the boat would be damaged. Were people suing the captain? Did he lose his job? Is there any other paperwork for this? Rochester Herald just write this up and they wanted to have a fun story about it, which we've come across on this show. But what makes this one interesting is not only is it a sea monster that got killed during the story and they're trying to bring its corpse up, 
That all could have happened. That could have been a tall tale. What we know for sure is today, in the deep waters of Seneca Lake, it's a U.S. naval testing area now. Since 1995, you have the Naval Undersea Warfare Center built there. And they test, quote-unquote, test out sonar technology. Now, we've covered that before. There's been a couple stories. I'll try to put them in the show notes. I'll find them. Where we've had areas that have been reported to have paranormal activity. And the military takes it over. Everyone's concerned about Area 51. But there was a hole that supposedly went into the middle of the earth that Charles Manson was going to lead his followers into during Helter Skelter. And then they would come out of this tunnel after the race war and rule over the planet. That's a real place, that little shaft that's the Devil's Pit or the Devil's Hole or something like that. You cannot go there now. It is owned by the U.S. Army. They just expanded their base perimeter and now they own this hole. Why? Why? So that's what makes the story, to me, as a conspiracy theorist, more believable. Like, sure, it is a giant sea monster that they smashed with a boat. We Technically, there should be insurance records for the damage of the boat. There should be lawsuits of the people suing the captain because they fell down and the monocle popped out of their eyeball and stuff like that. But we don't have any of that. So that makes it seem... But out of all the places, why did they choose to build this in a lake that even going back to before Europeans even showed up was considered... A place of a monster. That's where you choose to build your underwater testing facility? Are they really testing their sonar down there? Or are they looking for something? Or even more chillingly, have they already found it? Countries are always trying to one-up each other with their weapon technology. But sometimes it might be better to go backwards. If you need to kill someone silently, you don't use a machine gun, you use a knife. What if you have a government that thinks, well, we can build a sub, and Russia's going to build a better sub, and then we build a better sub, and then China builds a better sub, and all these subs can detect each other, and eventually da 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 Or, ladies and gentlemen, this. And then the guy points. <laughs> God, you didn't notice? There's a giant sea serpent in the room, in the Pentagon. That's why it's shaped like that, so the sea serpent can wrap around it. This is our new technology. We're going to learn to control this sea monster. It will pop up on sonar and they'll be like, that's weird. I've never seen a sub like that before. I've never seen a sub bite through another sub. Ladies and gentlemen, if we can control the sea serpent, we can control the seas. So is there a secret U.S. plan to train sea serpents to fight for the red, white, and blue? It's unlikely, but not impossible. Because if you believe in the paranormal, if you believe in cryptids, if you believe in sea monsters... And you know the track record of every human government that's ever existed on the planet Earth. Why wouldn't they turn these things into weapons? They will say that they are just fairy tales or old legends or let's laugh at the people who believe in the sea serpent. But all the while, crafting the perfect weapon. If the government's already lying to us about UFOs, about the lights, about the objects, about the things we see in the night sky. Why would we trust them when they tell us they are not testing on sea serpents underneath the deep waters of Seneca Lake? Thank you. 
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. credit card bill.